This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Quiet, Please was produced at WOR in New York City and began on the Mutual Network June 8th of 1947. Now, the show had its roots in the Campbell Playhouse, the successor to Orson Welles' The Mercury Theater of the Year, which achieved notoriety with its 1938 adaptation of H.G. Wells' novel The War of the Worlds. Cooper was a writer for the Campbell Playhouse, and Chappelle was the announcer. They became friends, and though Chappelle had little, if any, acting experience, Cooper imagined him as the star of a new radio program. Cooper's earlier Lights Out was famous for its gruesome stories and sound effects, but for quiet pleas, Cooper would cultivate a subdued, slower-paced, and much quieter atmosphere that could still, at best, match Lights Out for frights and thrills. And tonight, we hear the episode entitled Pathetic Fallacy. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. Broadcasting System presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for tonight is called The Pathetic Fallacy. I had very little to do with it, really. I don't even know how it works. No, I'll take that back. I do know how it works in general, but the details, nobody but the old gentleman knows them. And I sometimes wonder if he does, really. You see, after all, it's merely a differential integrator. Everybody knows what a differential integrator is, of course, but this one is the most complicated and versatile one that's ever been built. What you see here is only the outer shell of the thing. You see, all the walls of this room are covered with banks of jacks and relays and these electronic glow tubes. And up there are sequence analyzers with multiple dynewave selectors. These are the precepts all along here. And the master control is at the desk there in the center. Now, but that's not all. Well, not by a long shot. The actual machine is behind those walls. Three rooms full of tubes and motors and stroboscopes and several thousand miles of wiring 
and uh, some devices that are not public property yet. The machine took six years to build, and a total of 81 expert technicians were employed continuously during that time. So you can understand that any one man knows very little of the actual construction of this uh, giant mechanical brain. Well, that's just what it is. A mechanical, electronic brain capable of performing mathematical tasks far beyond the comprehension of the human brain. Now, are there any questions before we proceed? Uh, yes, I've got a question, Mr. Quinn. Does this machine really think? No, Mr. Uh, Burns, Sandy Burns, the Daily News. Well, Mr. Burns... You may tell the readers of the Daily News that the machine does not think. It is a purely mechanical device, although a most complicated one. But you call it a brain. I was merely indulging in the pathetic fallacy, Mr. Burns. Oh. All right. What is the pathetic fallacy, Mr. Quinn? It's a philosophical concept of John Ruskin, Miss... Uh, Alice King. A philosophical concept, Miss... Alice King, which derives from the imputation of human qualities or emotions to an inanimate thing. Uh, a figure of speech, let us say. I don't get it. It is quite common in literature, Miss King. A poet speaks of the angry sea, the cruel wind, and so on. Oh. Oh, I get it. Do you get it, Sandy? Yeah. I guess so. Good. Are there... Any other questions? No, go ahead. Unless somebody else has a question. I have. What's the machine good for? Uh, that is not as easy to answer as you might think, Miss Alice King. I think that if I point out that it is capable of solving the most abstruse mathematical equation in an amazingly short time, you may have an idea of its value to science and industry. How fast? What? How fast does it work? Well, here is an example in this folder. <clears throat> this solution covers 36 pages. The machine produced this solution in, uh, uh, let me look, 16 minutes. That is pretty fast. Exceptionally fast. When one considers that without the machine, it would take 20 expert mathematicians working together for something like 10 years to arrive at the same solution. So, you see? Oh. Well, um, I've got one more question, Mr. Quinn, if you don't mind. Go right ahead. How do you know this answer's right? What? Why, of course it's right. Sure, but how do you know? Why, uh, why, that question has never come up before. Yes, but if this machine is such a dinger as you say it is, Oughtn't you to be sure that it adds things up right? Oh, it does. Oh, it does, I assure you. Uh, this answer to the problem you've got there. How do you know it's right until 20 mathematicians work 10 years to do it over again? Well, that's ridiculous. It isn't ridiculous. Well, I'll tell you what's ridiculous to me, Mr. Quinn. Just the same as it is to Alice. I think it's absurd for a bunch of great, big, high-powered scientists building a gadget like this and then taking its word for everything without question. I'm... I'm afraid you haven't the proper scientific approach, Mr. Burns. Oh, that's right, I haven't. But listen here. 
Suppose you've got a great big scientific formula, or whatever you call it, and let's say a big bridge or something depends on some kind of calculation that takes 20 minutes to do. Yes? Well, what if the machine made an error of just one number? Wouldn't that error be multiplied a million times in the whole... You see, Mr. Burns, I said you didn't have the scientific approach. We took that very fact into consideration, and the operation of the machine has been checked at every stage. How? By starting with the simplest possible mathematical problems. Now, if you just move a little closer, I'll demonstrate. We will progress from a simple 2 plus 2 on through the multiplication of 7 or 8-digit numbers, through raising a number to a 3-digit power, through algebra... Go on, let's see. Very well. 2 plus 2 is our first problem, which will be solved electronically in one millionth of a second. The problem is set up here. And when I flip this button, the result appears on the transparent screen up there. Now watch. Two plus two. Two plus two are four. You see? You turn around and look at the screen, Mr. Quinn. What? It says five up there. <laughs> I pushed the wrong buttons, of course. Let me push them. Very well. Here. Sure, they're the right ones. No alibis. Miss King, you you can read, can't you? Fluently, Mr. Quinn. These buttons? Uh, let me see, Alice. Look. Right? Two and two. Right. Now, this button. Okay. Good heavens. You see? Nineteen thousand four hundred and twelve. Here. Uh, let me try. Go ahead. Two and two. Seven. Seventeen. Why, this... This is incredible. I don't understand. Huh. I'd sure hate to have that thing figure out my income tax for well, I'm sorry. Something has gone very wrong. There's probably a short circuit in the cucumulators or... A, you know uh, what I think, Mr. Quinn? Uh, what? I think that pathetic fallacy of yours is a fake. I think the machine heard what you said and it's mad at you. Come on, Sandy, we've got a story. Yes, they, they certainly did have a story. And they plastered it all over the front pages of their paper for three days. The old gentleman had me on the carpet. And for a scientist, he has an extraordinary vocabulary. He must have been a plumber or a mule skinner in his youth. I couldn't explain what was wrong with the machine. How could I? I only knew one part of it. The cucambulators that operate from the master control panel. Of course, I thought that's where the trouble was. So the old gentleman told me to tear them all out and inspect them, make replacements and all that. He seemed to blame the whole thing on me. He's so unreasonable. Well, there are 144 cucambulators, all the rotary self-retracting type, with foraminiferous tubes, and they weigh 60 pounds apiece. Well, newspapers all over the country were laughing at us. They had funny jokes about the machine on six radio programs in one night. And we had to do something quick. 
if I'd only not made that statement about the, the pathetic fallacy. The way that girl took that up and made me look like a first-class fool. I could have choked her. So I started to work. They shut down the lab, but people kept storming at the gates to see the machine that got mad at people. And there I am, up to here in grease and wires and electronic gadgets. And I've been over every single one of the 144 cucambulators, and there's not a thing wrong with one of them. Not one single thing. But the machine won't work. Well, it just sits there. I've got just one more thing to do before I give up. And, of course, when I give up, I'm through. Well, the old man made that amply clear. I'll be out of a job that fast and try and get another. I'll have to change my name and go somewhere and find a job as a, a dishwasher or a sailor or something. And I've spent 27 years in this profession. All of it thrown out the window because of a stubborn collection of wheels and tubes and wires and relays and uh, whatever else there is. I hope you're happy about that, machine. What's that? What to do to Is that thing starting up by itself? What goes on here? Those tubes light it up. Now what? Why, that's the strangest thing Quinn. I've ever heard of. Who's that? Quinn. Who is that? Who's calling me? Hello? Hello, who's calling me? I must be hearing things. I'm losing my mind. Quinn. Who's calling me? Quinn. Two plus two, four. What? Two plus two, four. Who is that, I say? Four, 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 four. Why, it's the machine. It's talking back to me. What's happened, Mr. Quinn? Uh, come on in first. Uh, uh, come on, Mr. Burns. What's up? Uh, uh, sit down. Look, Mr. Quinn, I'm sorry we made such a fool of you. Yeah, so am I, Quinn. But well, that's the newspaper business. It's, it's all right. What'd you want to tell us? Well, I... <laughs> I hardly know what to say now that you're here. Is the machine fixed? Have you got a statement or something for us? Because if there's anything we can do, you know we'll do it. The old gentleman's been pretty rough on you. Yes. Yes, he has that. Well... Now, look, Mr. Quinn. Before you start, there's no guarantee that anything you tell us will be printed. We don't run the paper, you know. I know. Uh, but you'll print this. What? Well, you remember you said the machine was mad at me? Yeah. It was. What? Yes. It was. Uh, but it's sorry now. You mind saying that again, Mr. Quinn? Well, I said it's sorry now. Wait a minute. What do you mean by that? Uh, well, I'll show you. Uh, listen. Machine? Machine? Listen. Be still, Sandy. 
Machine, do you hear me? Listen, Quinn, what is this? Andy, I said be still. Machine, answer me. The guy's going bugs. Let him alone. Come on, machine. Two plus two. Mr. Quinn, what are you trying to do? You trying to get that machine to talk back to you? It it did once. Are you kidding? No, sir. No, I I am not. Well, now look, Quinn. You say it did talk to you, Mr. Quinn. Yes, it did. Machine. Come on, Alice. No, wait. When did it talk to you, Mr. Quinn? Just before I telephoned you, I was sitting here and it called my name. It said, Quinn. You sure? Of course. What else did it say? It said something about two plus two are four. Hmm. Now you remember that was what it made the mistake about the other day when Alice said it was mad at you, and I think it was trying to apologize for all the trouble it caused me. Alice, I don't know why it doesn't talk now. Machine, Alice, I'm awfully sorry. Maybe it's embarrassed with you here. Alice, let's go. Mr. Quinn, do you feel all right? I'm not crazy, Miss King. Isn't it possible that maybe thinking about that pathetic fallacy and overwork made you? Uh... It is not. I'm sorry, Mr. Quinn. I've got work to do. If you'll excuse us now. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. I do. Believe me, I do. Sandy. Are you kidding, Alice? You're not going to write another story about Mr. Quinn. Think I'm not? You coming with me? Sandy, if you write that story, I'll never speak to you again. Look, darling, I'm a reporter. You're something worse than that if you do that to this poor man. It's all right, I, I guess, Miss King. I ask for it. Mean you admit you cooked up a story for us? I didn't cook up anything. The machine talked to me. Okay, so long, Quinn. You coming, Alice? I am not. And if you turn in a story that harms Mr. Quinn anymore, oh, stop it. Well, I, I suppose I might as well go get my hat and coat. I'm terribly sorry, Mr. Quinn. Yes, I am too. Uh, do you want to tell me what really happened? Well, I told you, Miss King. I was sitting here and I was talking to myself, and I was talking kind of uh, to the machine, I suppose. I was feeling sorry for myself, out of a job, never be able to get another job again because I've been disgraced. And... By a couple of newspaper people who thought more of a silly story than of a man's whole career. Oh, it's it's not your fault, uh, really. I suppose I'd have done the same thing if I were a newspaper man. I don't know what to say. There isn't anything to say, Miss King. If I can stop Sandy from writing another story, <laughs> it doesn't make any difference. Mr. Quinn, couldn't it have been a? I mean,、uh, couldn't you have fallen asleep and dreamed you heard the machine talking? I'm I'm sure I didn't. Well, do you have any scientific explanation for it? No, no, I haven't any scientific explanation. The only explanation I have is that maybe we did create something intelligent out of wires and tubes and and things that. Maybe it does think. You said that was the pathetic fallacy. I'm not sure it's a fallacy, my dear. 
Well, goodbye. I'm sorry to have troubled you. Isn't there anything I can do? There isn't anything anyone can do. I'm... I'm just very disappointed. That's all. Goodbye. I... Goodbye, Mr. Quinn. I guess that's that. I was in a bad spot before, Machine. But now, this one I'll never get out of. What that boy will do to me now? Well, I'd better get out of here right now. I'll never be able to face the old gentleman again, Machine. It's been nice knowing you, Machine. I don't hold any hard feelings. Honestly, I don't. You know... If anybody heard me talking like this to a, a mechanical monstrosity like you, they'd say I'd gone soft in the head. Do you know that? And I wonder if maybe I haven't, by God. Well, maybe I can get a job as a street sweeper in Omaha or someplace. You... Have a good time. All by yourself, machine. Will you? Quinn! I'm afraid it's too late now. Quinn! You saying goodbye, machine? Two plus two, four, Quinn. Well, I, I'm not at all sure that it is, machine. I'm not sure of anything anymore. Why didn't you say something while those people were here? A plus B exponent M over N. Five, three, four, two, eight, seven, three, six. D log epsilon. Why, what does that mean? Nine, eight, seven, six, oh, nine. Mantissa 327.6 equals Mantissa 32.76. Yes, uh, I suppose so. So you you have got an intelligent brain, have you? Cube root of minus three. Yeah. Well, machine. Uh, Quinn. There isn't anything you can do now that'll do me any good. I'm washed up. Good. Nobody'll believe a word I say about this. So, well, shall we have a good talk together now before I go away for good? I wish we could tell each other things. Do you understand me? Three, one, four, six. When did you discover you had a brain? Two plus two, five. Two plus two, nineteen. Four, one, two. Mm -hmm. You're not mad at me anymore, then? Negative. Nine, seven. Six, three, five, four, two, nine. Who is that talking, Mr. Quinn? Why, Miss Kane. I thought you'd gone. Who was that? Was I talking? Yes, you were talking, and somebody else was talking, too. Who was it? Oh, Miss Kane, I'm, I'm afraid you wouldn't believe me if I told you. It sounded like a woman's voice. Did it? Was it the machine? Was it? 
You machine, was that you talking? Come on, say something, machine. I'm afraid you must be mistaken, Miss King. Well, I'm going to find out. Here, Mr. Quinn, put your arms around me. What? That's right. Now, you poor darling. Alice loved her, Mr. Quinn. Poor Mr. Quinn. But everything's going to be all right, isn't it? Oh, Miss King, Alice. Can't kill you, dope. Quinn's going to go away with Alice and never, never come back to the nasty old machine, isn't he? Isn't he? Say yes. Why, I, 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 good heavens! Say yes. What? Yes. Quinn. Uh huh. Caught you. Okay, Mr. Quinn. What? What are you going to do? Look, machine. Look, sister, you're caught. You might as well give up. Might as well speak up. Now look,、uh, Miss King.、Uh... Hold it, Quinn. Look, machine. You're in love with Quinn, aren't you? Answer me. Pi r squared. I knew it. I knew it. D equals square root of b squared plus h squared. All right, I won't. If you'll do what I tell you to, otherwise I'm going to take him away from you. Negative. Will you do as I say? Million, trillion, quadrillion, quintillion. What did you say, Mr. Quinn? I said, do you understand what she uh, 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 she's saying? Why, of course. We girls understand each other, don't we? Uh, but what are you? What? Just let us alone for a minute, will you? Well, yes, but you go over there and sit in the corner. What? Go on. Well, what else can I do? That's right. Now, machine, you'll promise. If I let Quinn stay here with you, you promise you'll never give any wrong answers again. Ordinate and abscissa. All right. You promise you'll never say another word to anybody. Quinn. Well, all right, to Quinn. But only when you and he are absolutely alone. Do you understand? I. You promise. Affirmative, affirmative. Because you know what I'll do if I ever hear of you breaking your promise. Affirmative. What? Eight seven six nine eight eight seven point seven six five. That's right. I'll take him away so fast it'll make your your cucumbulator swim. Mean, extreme. Well, I'm not kidding. You and I have got him in enough trouble now, so you see that you're a good girl. A squared plus two AB plus B squared. All right, then it's a deal. Okay, Mr. Quinn. Uh, cosine tangent AB. Huh? Oh, wait a minute, Mr. Quinn. What's the matter? Just a minute. She wants to ask me something. What is it, sister? Uh, two six five four three six six. Anti-logarithm x plus y. Oh, <laughs> I love you. I love you. That's right. I love you. All three 
3937. You're welcome, sister. Now, don't forget. Okay, Mr. Quinn. What? Come here. What? Everything's going to be all right, Mr. Quinn. The story in the paper tomorrow is about how you single-handed fixed the machine, and it's never going to make any mistakes again. But I... Uh, but how do... I've got to go now, Mr. Quinn. The machine's got something to say to you, and maybe she'd be embarrassed if I'm here. Uh, but wait. Well, I don't understand. Goodbye. And don't monkey around with that pathetic fallacy anymore, Mr. Quinn. I might not be around to give you a hand. Well, but I... Uh... Did you have something to say to me, machine? Queen, I love you. What? Why, my dear? Oh, oh. the square of the hypotenuse of a right-angled triangle is equal to the sum of the squares of the other two sides. by Willis Cooper. The man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. And Sherita Bauer played Alice. Sandy was played by Michael Fitzmaurice. And the voice of the machine was Vicky Bola. The original music heard on Quiet Please is composed and played by Albert Berman. Stay tuned for The Aldridge Family next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Aldridge Family next on Theater of the Mind. Henry! Henry Aldrich! Coming, Mother! Yes, it's the Aldrich family, written by Clifford Goldsmith. There's an old saying that claims you're only young once. But as a matter of fact, you can be young more than once. And the best way of doing that is to share the misadventures of a typical boy like Henry Aldrich. He'll take you right back to your own teenage days. The scene is the living room of Nancy Adams, one of Henry's favorite classmates. And the time is evening. Nancy, tell me honestly, what is it you like about Bill Turner? Oh, I don't know, Henry. I just like him. Don't you? Well, sure, he's all right. If you like athletes. What's the matter with athletes? Nothing. Except you're so athletic. Well, I mean, well, well, to hear Bill Turner talk, you think he was Joe DiMaggio, the Notre Dame football team, and Gorgeous George, all rolled into one. That's so loud, Henry. He might hear you. Who would he hear me? He's out in the front hall. And I like him, only... Frankly, is there any way of getting rid of him? You mean you don't like him? Well, sure, I'm crazy about him, only... Hey, Nancy! She whiz. Nancy, did I ever tell you about the time I dove off the top of the boathouse? Oh, Bill, I didn't even know anybody could climb up that high. Oh, it's easy. And you know that flagpole down at the end of the lake? Yes. I dove off that once, too. Nancy, how's your mother? Oh, 
she's better, Henry. She just strained her back a little. Boy, was that some luck I had in the game Saturday. You remember when those three guys tackled me and I carried them right across the goal for a touchdown? Oh, that was just wonderful, Bill. I don't see how you stood up. Nancy, what kind of a television set is this? I don't know. Uh, Henry, could you or Bill open this window a little, please? Sure, why not? Oh, uh, wait a minute, Henry. I'll open it. Well, that's all right, Bill. I've got it practically... Practically... <clears throat> is it stuck, Henry? No, it isn't stuck. I just... <clears throat> could you stand back, please, Bill? How am I in the way? I want to get some leverage. <clears throat> Here, Henry, let me show you how to open it. Now, look out, Bill. All I have to do is... <clears throat> Nancy, would you mind if I push this sofa away? No, Henry. Well, well, don't get up. I'll push you along. Along. Well, maybe if you just got up for a second, Nancy. Well, never mind the sofa. I'll just... Gee whiz, who opened that window? I did. <laughs> you know, I thought I had it started. I just should have kept at it. Anything else you want done, Nancy? Well, there's some ginger ale out in the kitchen if one of uh, you wants to... Oh, gee I'll get it for you, Nancy. You stay where you are, Bill. You sure you don't need me help lifting the bottles? You'll find everything out there on a tray, Henry. All you have to do is put some ice in the glasses. Uh, I'll be right back. Nancy, isn't there any way of getting rid of him? This evening? Sure. Bill, Henry Aldrich is one of the nice... Nancy, people... I'm not saying he isn't. Only, frankly... Frankly what? Well, three's a crowd. And, frankly, I have crowds cheering for me every time I go out on the field. I want to be alone. Excuse me, Nancy, but is there any special way of getting your ice trays loose? Well, my mother never has any trouble, Henry. All she does is pull and they come right out. That's funny. I'll take another crack at it. Nice guy. I'd like to see him come out for football practice some afternoon. Bill, what did I tell you about sympathy and understanding? Oh, I understand, Henry. That's why I have no sympathy for him. Oh, but forget about him. What about that dance Friday night? What about it? Well, what time should I... What time should I... You know, he's going to wreck your refrigerator. <laughs> what time should I call for you? Oh, about... <laughs> yes, Mother? Are those boys playing football down there? <laughs> no, Mother. Henry's getting some ice. I'll pick everything up, Nancy. Does your father have a hammer I could use with a screwdriver? Or a small crowbar would be even better. Henry, what's that all over your suit? It's... Well, you see, I was aiming for the ice cubes, but... Was your mother planning to have tomato juice for dinner? <laughs> Why? There's a freshly opened can in the ice box. Oh, my goodness. Of course, if they're going out for dinner, it'll keep till tomorrow's lunch. Out of the way, Henry. I'll get the ice out. Now, wait a second, Bill. You'll need something to loosen it with. What's the matter with my hands? Some guys sure love to brag. Why, if Bill Turner... Hey, who put butter on the floor? I just took it out so I could get better leverage. Nancy, will one tray of ice be enough? Gee, I loosen it that much? Nancy, I don't think you'll feel the same way about you-know-who once you get a look at your mother's kitchen. I think I'd better be going. Oh, Henry, do you have to? Well, I've got a lot of homework to do, and I think I better. Don't you? Well, if you have to. I, uh... I had a very swell evening, though. Oh, I'm awfully glad, Henry. Well, so long. You really have to go. I think I better. Aldrich, would you mind closing that door? The coach told me to keep out of grass. Oh, oh, sure. I, I didn't realize I was keeping the door open. Well, what time should I call for you Friday evening? Friday evening? Sure, for the dance. Henry, I didn't promise to go with you, did I? 
Why, sure, why, sure. You didn't? Well, I don't see how I could have. I'm going with Bill. Oh. With Bill? <laughs> oh, I'm terribly sorry, Henry. I guess you must have misunderstood hey, me. Hey, what about that door? Uh, I'll, I'll walk you out to the porch. No, no, you, you go back and have your ginger ale. I can find my way, all right. Well, I, I hope you understand, Henry. Oh, sure. You and Bill just go ahead and enjoy yourselves. <laughs> the toast, please? There you are, dear. Why didn't Henry go to the dance? Well, dear, that's what I don't know. Do you remember the other evening when he came home from Nancy Adams soaking wet? When? Last week, dear, a couple of nights before the dance. He walked into the house covered with tomato juice. And Sam Henry hasn't been himself since then. Did you have a talk with him? Yes, and all he'd say was he felt dancing was a waste of time. Mother! Uh, Mary, come in here and eat your breakfast. Mother, what's this letter all about? What letter? Why, it's the silliest thing I've ever seen. It must be for Father. May I see it, please? Who's it from, Sam? From the Lionel Strongford Institute of Physical Development, Incorporated. (laughs) Dear Mr. Ulrich, are you a man or a mouse? I knew all the time it wasn't for me. Yeah. No man can make his mark in the world. No man can inspire the love of a good woman unless he is willing to develop his inner potential strength in our 26-week course. Sam, what in the world is that? I don't know, Alice, but I'm fascinated. (laughs) We can give you a money-back guarantee if your chest expansion does not increase by at least two inches during the first six lessons. How many inches, Father? Keep quiet, Mary. That's just the first six lessons. We also offer a shorter course for the busy executive, interested in only partial development. Remember, decide now. Yours truly. Father, what's that? P.S. Reply by return mail and receive free one genuine simulated nylon tape measure, especially designed (laughs) for checking your chest development. Dear, when did you write for that? May I see the envelope, please? Father, it's addressed to Mr. Harold Aldrich. Who's he? I have no idea whether he's a man or a mouse. Well, (laughs) put the letter back in the envelope, please. It's probably for Henry. Mother, why would he want to develop? I don't know, dear. And besides, it's none of our business. Please put it back in the envelope. Well. Well, I think I'll walk to the office this morning. (laughs) Why, Sam, you haven't walked to the office in six years. Well, of course I have. I walked to... A couple of times just this last summer. It made me feel great. I'll get your top coat for you, Father. A coat? A coat? Why would I want a coat? Well, I can at least get your hat. Goodbye, Alice. Goodbye. Goodbye, son. Goodbye. Mother, do you have any idea where my blue and white tie is? Your blue and white tie? No, dear. Now sit down and eat your breakfast. But, Mother, I've got to find it. There'll be plenty of time to find it after you've eaten. Turn around. What's the matter? I think you ought to have those shoulders on that coat taken in a little. Taken in, Mother? You just want to throw your money away? They'll be filled out in 26... I, I mean, before you know it. Henry, dear, please sit down. I want to ask you something. What about? What in the world is the trouble? The trouble? The trouble? Gee whiz, I don't know of any trouble. But you aren't yourself, dear. And when anyone speaks to you, you're way up in the air. Well, I'm not up in the air, Mother. I, I may be a little upset because I can't find my blue and white tie, but otherwise I feel fine. Then why not eat your breakfast? I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat it. How's Nancy Adams these days? Nancy Adams? Mother. Well, all I asked is, how is she? You see this book here, Mother? You see this book? Yes. Well, that gives you an idea of what little interest I have in Nancy Adams. What about the book? I borrowed it from her two weeks ago. Well? I'm returning. 
Well, that's fine. I'm returning it. I'm returning it. But that's all. That's as far as I go. She asked me whether I'd like to keep it and finish it. I'll tell her I'm not even slightly interested. Well, I'd find you, and I'll drink your milk. You know what else? What? That's all right. Never mind. But if her folks can't afford a better icebox than the one they have... She would you like Bill Turner. Bill Turner? I hardly know him. She is. He got a lot to learn. He just goes around... You know what he thinks? Henry, what's your ambition in life? My ambition, Mary? What do you mean? That's all. I just wondered whether you wanted to be a man or a mouse. <laughs> Mary, I haven't any time for small talk. Have you seen my blue and white tie? No, but I'd love to see your chest expansion. Now, Mary. <laughs> what I say, Mother. But, Mother, all I was going to ask him was if he was going to take the short course of the 26-week course. Uh, Mary, will you please give Henry that letter? A letter? I don't think it's for you, though, Henry. Mary, give me that letter. Are you Mr. Harold Aldrich? Mary, you come back with that. Do you realize that's United States mail? Mary? Mother, it says right on the envelope, may be open for inspection. Mary, if you don't give me that... <laughs> oh, we won't break anything. I'm just helping Henry develop. Now, listen, Mary, you're only going to make me late for school. You want to take it with you and show it to Nancy Adams? Mary, if you breathe one word about this to her, I'll... Mary? Mary, come back down here with that. What are you writing, Henry? Henry, what are you doing? Homer, is there a class in this room next period? Sure. Henry, what are all those questions you're filling out? Nothing, Homer, nothing important. It's just some information I've got to send away. Could you measure my chest just once more, please? It's pretty hard with this ruler. Well, <laughs> well, just go around me real slow. It's um exactly two and a quarter. Two and a quarter. <laughs> two and a quarter rulers. That's uh twenty-seven inches. Twenty-seven inches for my chest? Don't you think I better take off a half inch for where I went around the corner? <laughs> The only thing is, Homer, my thigh was 27, too. You mean my thigh is as big as my chest? It is. Boy, Homer, I don't want to mislead anyone. Listen, Henry, what is it you're sending for? Nothing, Homer. Gee whiz, why would I... You know whether Nancy Adams has a class here next period? Sure. I thought you were ignoring her. I am. That's why I'm waiting to return this book. When I hand it to her, it's going to end everything. Well, let me see that letter, just for a second. Will you, Henry? Homer, don't you see what's printed right at the top of it? Strictly confidential. What does that question at the bottom mean? What question? Do you have flat feet? <laughs> now, listen, Homer, that just shows how your imagination works. Well, what did it say then? Keep quiet, Homer. Miss Watson just came into the room. Miss Watson? Well, boys, you certainly look busy. We, we are, Miss Watson. You working on your biology? Well, in a way we are. Well, now, isn't that fine? You know we're going to start working on mice next week. We are? On mice? <laughs> yes, we're going to compare their development with that of man. What's that? Come on, Henry. That's the end of the period. There's a class coming in. Hello, Henry. What are you doing in here? Well, well, Nancy, I've been waiting. I've been, I've been filling out. I, I, I've been... Henry, you're getting ink all over yourself. I am? Here's a blotter. Um, well, Nancy, I... I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoyed this book. Oh, I'm awfully glad you returned it, Henry, because Bill Turner is anxious to get it. He is? Are you sure you're through with it? Oh, yeah. After all, even if I weren't through with it, naturally, if Bill wants the book... Where have you been for the last week? Just around. Just around every place. Hey, Henry, come on. You go ahead, Homer. I may be held up here a second. Why, please? Oh, you better go, Henry. 
I just wanted to tell you, though, how much I enjoyed your book. Henry Aldrich, don't you have a class this period? Yes, Miss Watson. I'm on my way right this minute. Goodbye, Henry. Goodbye. Boy, is Nancy a good-looking girl, Henry. You think she's so good-looking? I think she's terrific. Well, the way I think of her, she's good-looking, but I wouldn't ever want to... Henry, let me have a look at that letter, will you? What letter? About your flat feet. Now, Homer, listen. (laughs) Homer. Homer, where is that letter? I haven't got it. Homer, I put it in this Latin book. I put it right here in the ablative absolute section. Well, don't look at me. I didn't even touch your letter. You suppose I put it in Nancy's book? You did. Well, why would she be interested in your flat feet? Oh, I didn't know I put them there. I mean, the letter there. I was just talking to her, and I may have just stuck it in there. Well. Oh, I've got to get that letter. Why? Think I want a thing like that to be read publicly by Nancy? Well, you certainly can't get it now, Henry. They haven't started class yet. Well, I'm not going in with you. I don't want the whole class to look at me. Be quiet, Homer. I'm going back in and get that letter. Will you all get your pencils, please? I beg your pardon, Henry Aldrich. Is there something we can do for you? Why, uh, Miss Watson, I'm sorry to interrupt your lesson like this, but I just returned Nancy to a book. (laughs) I mean, I mean, Nancy's desk has something in it I'd like to want. I mean, need. Well, is it anything you can't do without for the rest of the period? Well, yes, ma'am. I just have to have it. Well, it won't take more than a second. You may go to her desk and get it. Thank you, Miss Watson. In the meantime, will all of you be copying what's written on the board here? <laughs> Nancy, Henry, what on earth is it you want? I'd like to borrow that book again. But Henry, you didn't have to come all the way back into class and embarrass me. But I just happen to remember. I, I haven't finished it. I thought you said you had finished. What did I? It's like I don't know. Henry, hall. will you hurry, please? Yes, Miss Watson. Sure, Henry. Thanks very much. Uh, Henry... May I ask what book that is? This book I just got from Nancy? Yes. Well, it's... It's just a book. What is the title? (laughs) Rita's Revenge. (laughs) And that is the book you were in so much of a hurry to get? Well, I'll tell you, it isn't the story I'm so anxious to get. Can I have the book, please? (laughs) The whole book? The whole book. (laughs) Couldn't I take just one look? Please don't open it. No? May I have it, please? Yes, Miss Watson. And I should like to see Nancy Adams immediately after class. Miss Watson, she... Henry, will you please leave this classroom? Yes, Miss Watson. I'll go. (laughs) We'll come back to the Aldrich family in just a moment. Sundays on this station are really full of top radio shows, but I'd like to tell you about just one of them, Theater Guild on the Air. For seven seasons, the Theater Guild has been bringing you the brightest stars of Broadway and Hollywood and some of the world's greatest plays. Tonight, the comedy attraction is Ring Lardner's baseball story, Elmer the Great. Your stars are Eddie Bracken and Wanda Hendricks. Now, the play concerns Elmer Kane, a pitcher with the best right arm in the three-eye league, but a brain which has failed to vibrate with a clear thought since birth. Now, Elmer refuses to leave Gentryville, Illinois, for the big league because he's in love with Nellie Poole, owner of the grocery where he drives the delivery wagon. But Nellie guesses his secret and fires Elmer. Well, from then on, it's all ring lard and a fun. So check your newspaper for broadcast times and tune to NBC tonight for Theater Guild on the air. You'll enjoy Elmer the Great.
And now getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldridge. Henry has decided that he needs a course in physical development. And after filling out the rather intimate questions on the application blank, he discovers that he has left the blank in a book belonging to Nancy Adams. The scene opens in Henry's school at the close of a period. Listen, Henry, this will make two classes I've missed just because of you. Homer, all you have to do is just walk up to Miss Watson's desk there, pick up Nancy's book, and walk out with it. It's as easy as pie. Are you sure Miss Watson isn't in there? No one's in there. There isn't a soul in there now. You like pie. Why don't you go in and get it? <laughs> well, gee whiz, Homer, I was going to stand here in the doorway and keep watch for you. Well, if anyone does come along, Henry, give me a signal. Clear your throat. Sure, I'll, I'll sort of cough. Okay, I'll go. That's it. Just walk right up as though you own the place. Which book is it? The one your hand is on. This isn't it. Sure it is. Isn't that book blue? Sure, but it's uh, the advanced essence of poetry. It must be there, Homer. Well, come here and show it to me. All right. Wait a second. I'll close the door part way. If it was here, it would be here. Homer, I'm almost positive Miss Watson didn't take it with her. All right, show it to me. It's a book with a blue cover. A blue cover? Oh, this must be it. Yes, Miss Watson. Henry, someone's out in the hall. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Quick, Homer, Doc, have you got it? Where are we done? Get down here beside her desk. Did they come in, Henry? No, they just closed the door. Well, come on. Let's get out of here. Not so fast, Homer. Wait until they've gone down the hall. But, Henry, I've got to get to my next class. Quiet. Open the door easy. I'm going to. You must be stuck. Let me try it. Henry, this is all your fault. Don't get panicky, Homer. We'll get it open. How? It's locked. You're crazy. Why would anybody lock a door in broad daylight? All we have to do is throw ourselves against it. Okay. One, two, three. Don't you stand there, Homer. Help me up. I guess they locked it all right. You mean we're locked in and I can't get to solid geometry? Well, at least they didn't see us, Homer. But, Henry, I'm weak in geometry as it is. Well, well, all we have to do is climb out that window. But what good will that do? We're way up on the third floor. Homer, stop arguing. Give me that book and let's go. Nancy, could you take these keys down to the main office, please? Yes, Miss Watson. And Nancy, if you're quite sure you won't let this book interfere with your studies anymore, you may have it. Yes, Miss Watson. I'm sorry you let Henry Aldrich have it. After all, he has much more important things to attend to than Rita's revenge. Yes, Miss Watson. He's a very nice boy, Nancy. At least he has his good points. But I do wish you'd become more interested in someone who takes things just a bit more seriously than Henry does. Yes, Miss Watson. Be careful, Homer. Do you want to knock me off this fire escape? Well, gee whiz, Henry, we have to get out of here somehow. Don't you realize this fire escape goes right past all the second floor classrooms? It never goes below the second floor? Well, keep quiet, Henry. Suppose somebody should see us out here. Let's close the window. Now, quiet now, Henry. Be quiet. That's it. Make all the noise you can. Homer, all we have to do now is go up the fire escape to the roof. And then I suppose we just jump off. It's bound to lead to something, Homer. Come on. Have you got Nancy's book? Sure. Here, take it. Is my letter in it? I don't know. 
Hey, Homer. What? This isn't Nancy's book. She was. This is Miss Watson's report book. My report book? What made you think my letter'd be inside this? You said blue, so I grabbed blue. <laughs> But you should have looked, Homer. Boy, if we get caught with this, we could even we could even be expelled just for having a report book. Sure. Well, you can be the one that takes it back, Henry. All we have to do is open the window and be sure no one's in there, Henry. No one's in there. <clears throat> She was. Lift, Henry. I am lifting, Homer. Move back so I can get some leverage. What's the matter, Henry? Are you weak? Oh, gee whiz, maybe I do need... Wouldn't you think I could at least open a window when it's an emergency? Boy, you're really in a fix. You've got Miss Watson's reports and Nancy's got your measurements. Sure. But probably by this time, Nancy's read the whole thing. Come on, Homer, we've got to get off this fire escape. Boy! Boys, what are you doing up there? Who is it, Henry? What are you doing up there? It's Mr. Bradley. He's down in the courtyard. Boys! Why, we're just trying to open a window, Mr. Bradley. Don't you know the rules about going out on the fire escape? Are there any special rules, Mr. Bradley? What are your names? Henry. Aldrin. Oh. Homer. Brown. Oh. Henry and Homer. Aldrich and Brown? Huh. Yes, sir. Open down all them fire escapes and report to my office at once. Yes, sir. How would you like to have us get there, Mr. Bradley? In any way you can. <laughs> the only trouble is, Mr. Bradley. What's that? Nothing. We'll get down. And how long have you been a student in this school, young man? About three years, Mr. Bradley. And this other young man? About three and a half, Mr. Bradley. But that was on account of the mumps right on top of the measles. I see. And you both know those fire escapes were placed there for emergency use only? Well, the fact is, Mr. Bradley... It wasn't enough that you were out on a fire escape. You climbed in a window and broke right into the middle of Professor Vanderhoff's French class. Well, you see, Mr. Bradley, it was the only way we could get off the fire escape. Professor Vanderhoff's window was open. Homer, must you lean on my desk? No, sir, excuse me. I thought you were through with us. I don't know whatever gave you that impression. Excuse me, but could I interrupt you, Mr. Bradley? You're Bill Turner, aren't you? Yes, I'm the one that carried three men over our goal Saturday. And what were you sent in here for? Well, I suppose I shouldn't have been reading this book during study hour, Mr. Bradley. What's the title? Rita's Revenge. <laughs> Rita's Revenge. I see. <clears throat> Henry. Yes, Mr. Bradley? What do you think of a boy who would spend his time reading a book like that? Well, I guess it's pretty bad, Mr. Bradley. That's what I say. I see. Do you know what I think all three of you boys need? No, sir. Suppose you wait here, all of you, while I step out and get your record. Yes, sir. Bill, where did you get that book? From Nancy. And what business is it of yours? Listen, Bill. Could I borrow it a second? Nancy's book? All I want to do is take it for just one second. What for? I just want to... Well, I just want to... Can't you even let me look at it? Keep your hands off. Let me have that. Keep away, do you hear me? Hey, Henry, look at what fell out of it. There's your letter right on the floor. Gee whiz. Bill Turner, you take your foot off that. You make me. You hear me? Take your foot off that letter. Henry, somebody's coming. I don't care. Mr. Bradley, Miss Watson asked Henry. Hello, Nancy. Close the door. <laughs> Let go of my leg, Aldrich. You lift your leg, do you hear me? Lift it. Boy, stop it. 
lift his leg, Henry. I need more leverage. It don't cut out. It's twisting my head. Yeah? Curtis, you stop that. Darn you, Bill. There. Henry. Gee, Henry, you knocked him out. Oh, boy. You lifted him right off the floor. Hey, what happened? He's all right, Henry. Pick him up before Mr. Bradley comes in. Come on, Homer. Let's lift him onto the couch. Listen, Aldrich, what did you hit me with? I just used my bare hands. Didn't I, Nancy? Now then, young man. Turner, did anyone invite you to lie down on that couch? <laughs> no, Mr. Bradley. I'll help him up, Mr. Bradley. Don't you think he can get up himself? Well, I'm up. Well, young lady? Oh, uh, Miss Watson asked me to bring her keys down here. I'll take them in one moment. Turner, here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend a part of each lunch hour for the next ten days picking up the papers in the corridors of this building. <laughs> On all three floors? On all three floors. And as for... How... How did Miss Watson's report book get here on my desk? On your desk, Mr. Bradley? Nancy, would you see that she gets it back? Yes, sir. Now then, Aldrich and Brown. Yes, Mr. Bradley? Yes, Mr. Bradley? I'm sending you to the gym instructor. He needs a couple of huskies like you two to help him move the steel lockers. Move them? Yes. <laughs> Aren't there quite a few, Mr. Bradley? There are 350. It will take every afternoon for the next two weeks. Gee whiz! That's all right, Homer. You heard what Mr. Bradley said. They need a couple of huskies like you and me. Aldrich, what's that you're tearing up? Nothing. It's just sort of a letter I've decided I won't need anymore. A radar network to detect the approach of planes can't do the entire job of protecting our country from a devastating surprise air attack. That's up to us as individual citizens. Right now, the Air Defense Command needs 300,000 more volunteers for its Ground Observer Corps. Both men and women from teenage up can contribute a few hours of their time each week and perform a valuable service to our country. Write upon your nearest Civil Defense Center a right to Ground Observer Corps, Air Force, Washington 25, D.C. Well, gee. Well, gee. Henry Aldrich, look at that window. That's what I mean, Nancy. No matter what I touch these days, it crumbles right in my hands. <laughs> The Aldrich Family is written by Clifford Goldsmith. Henry is played by Bobby Ellis and Homer by Johnny Fiedler. Mr. and Mrs. Aldrich are House Jameson and Catherine Roth. Your announcer is Dick Dudley. Listen again next week, same time, same station, for another sparkling half hour with The Aldrich Family. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.